All right, turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, please. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, please. As you're turning there, we have a lot of exciting things planned for the summer. Hope you'll plan to be each one of them if you can. Of course, next Wednesday night, the group from Pensacola Christian College will be here. They'll be providing some music for us and also the preaching. So the whole service, they will, they will take up the whole service. Hope you plan to be here for that special service. After the service, they'll be going back to the gym and having a time with our young people, the teenagers. So uh, just pray for that. Then two weeks from tonight, my, the first week in June, my wife and I will be out of town. And I've asked uh, Chad Martin to speak for me. He's one of the, uh, in our Christian school, one of the administrators. And uh, I've had him speak for me in the past. And when I come back, I have so many people tell me what a fantastic job he did. And so he's preaching again two weeks from tonight. And so I'm looking, I'm, uh, even though I won't be here, in fact, uh, I don't think I ever heard him preach. I always ask him to preach when I'm gone. <laughs> so I need to go and live stream and listen to him. But I've heard so many of you say what a great job he's done. So, so uh, I'm gonna, he's going to be back with us. And then three weeks from tonight, of course, that week will be vacation Bible school. We do not have prayer meeting during that week because of all this going on. And so keep that in mind. And then all of a sudden, on the 21st of June, we begin our Summer Bible Institute. And we have five, in six weeks of that, we have five classes that this Sunday you'll see an insert in the bulletin and explain all of them. And so we hope you look, uh, look over those. There'll be a sign-up sheet also on the activity table. It'll be first come, first serve on class. Many of the classes are uh, constrained by the size of the room of how many people can be in that. So if you see a class you won't, go sign up. Uh, so make sure you get in that class. But we have so many fantastic teachers in our ch church, and they'll be teaching that. And there's a couple of classes, I won't mention them, but they are wonderful. In fact, I'll be teaching one, and I'm talking about my class. I thought about getting somebody else to teach my class so I could go to that class. And so we hope you look over those, and please join us for six weeks of Summer Bible Institute. One more announcement before we get into our uh, message tonight is back by popular demand, in the month of July, we're going to have our Super Summer Sunday Night Fellowships. It is a fellowship we have following the evening service, and it'll be each evening service after after the 6 o'clock service course, we're going to have food. I call them the three Fs, food, fellowship, and fun. After the service, we have actually, we're going to cut the service a little short, so we have a longer time for that. But we're going to have also in a few weeks to come an announcement of exactly what each night's going to provide. And there's some exciting things, so I hope you look forward to that during the month of July, our super summer Sunday night fellowships. All right, we finished last week. We finished up on our 30 ministries of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And of course, next week, we have the group from PCC. And I begin, what can I preach on tonight? What can I share with my people tonight? And I've been reading through the book, uh, the chapter of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, when I first read it over, I said, well, you know, that's a nice book, but I don't get much out of it. And so I kept reading it and kept reading it. I go, wow, there's some... Tremendous truths found in this chapter. And so if you would look in chapter 2, we're going to read, first of all, just through 1 through verse 7. 
You can follow along with me, and then we'll back up and see what the, the truths uh, God has for us in this wonderful book called the Book of Ephesians. Chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, please. It says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Verse 3, among, wh among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he's loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Verse 6, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Tonight, I'd like to look at the believer's past, the believer's present, and the believer's future. Mentioned right here in this book. First of all, we're going to begin remembering our past. Remembering our past. And uh, first, our old position. Look in verse 1, talking about our old position before we were saved. Verses 1 through 3 talks about our life before we were saved, before we trusted Christ, what that life was like. Verse 1, it says there, and you hath he quickened who were. Before waiting for the word quicken means made alive, given life. When you trusted Christ as Savior, you were made alive in Jesus Christ. He gave you what kind of life? Eternal life, everlasting life, life that lasts forever. So we were quickened. Uh, when we trusted Christ the Savior. But there's six things mentioned here that we were, spiritually speaking, before we were saved, before we were quickened by the Spirit of God. Six things. Number one, again it says, and you hath he quickened who were, number one, spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. Before we were saved, we were. you might have been physically alive, but you were spiritually dead. It says there in verse one, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That's the condition of all those without Christ. In fact, you know, we're born that way physically. You were born spiritually dead. The word spiritually dead, talking about spiritually, you were separated from God. And so that's our position, or I say our spiritual condition, before we were saved, we were spiritually dead. Now look down at verse 12, please. He mentions five other things that were true of us prior to salvation. Down in verse 12, chapter 1, verse 12, it says there that at that time, talking about when before you were saved, chapter 1, verse 12, said, You were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in this world. So look at those together. Notice that at that time, before salvation, number, number two, not only were you spiritually dead, you were without Christ. Without Christ. How many of you remember life without Jesus Christ? Many of you do. Uh, and probably, I think, especially those that were saved in, maybe when they were in their adult age, in middle age sometimes when they're older, and they look back on the life without Christ, they saw the misery, the hurt, the lack of peace, that life was like without Christ. And they, 
can really enjoy their salvation. I had one person tell me one time, because I, I smile a lot, and this person come to me and caught me off guard and says, Pastor, I see you smile a lot. I said, yes, I do. He said, well, you must have really got deep down in sin before you got saved to enjoy your salvation so much. And I go, oh, well, I never had that. <laughs> I said, yes, I did, as much an eight-year-old boy could get. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my life, I was saved early in life. I don't remember much of life without Christ. So my joy is not my life I had, the, I mean, the salvation from the life before Christ. It's the salvation I was saved to. I mean, the joy, the peace, the fellowship with God, I mean, there's so much joy there. That's where I find my joy, is the Lord, being with the Lord and him being with me. You know, the Bible says, Christ said, I am come that you might have what? Life. Talking about eternal life. And have it more what? Abundantly. That comes from the first life. is talking about the duration, eternal life. The second life talks about the quality of life. One is quantity, forever. The second one, the abundant life, is the quality and that comes from serving the Lord. And I find great joy in serving the Lord, great joy that he gives to those who live for him. And so uh, without Christ, number two, the third condition or position prior to salvation, not only without Christ, it says, number three, you're aliens. Not talking about from outer space. You're aliens. It says there again in verse 12, that at that time before you were saved, you're without Christ, and it says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. The word aliens means estranged, shut out from. And commonwealth means the rights of a citizen. You know, there's so many blessings that God and promises God has uh, to Israel that we can take part in when we become a child of God. Not all of them applies to us, but many of them do. Talking about the blessings, his presence, his promises, just so much, his protection, his provision. We have that today. And before we were saved, we were strange, shut out from those. Uh, the rights of, of uh, the many Jews have, uh, Jewish believers have, because of being in Christ. So, first of all, our position, we were spiritually dead. We were without Christ. We were aliens. And number four, strangers. Strangers, it says there in verse 12 being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. The word strangers means uh, foreigner or without a share in. You know, there's so many promises God had in his covenants in the Old Testament and New Testament that we were, had no part in prior to being saved. And so we were strangers from the covenants of promise. Number five, again, we're talking about our Remembering our past prior to being saved, number five, without hope. To me, this is the one that it seems so sad to me, without hope. It says again there in verse 12, being aliens without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having how much hope? No hope. Now, that ought to give us a burden for the lost. You see, a lost person can have all the things of the world. They can have all material possessions, be rich, and have everything this world offers them. But I find they don't have any hope. They have no hope. Hold your finger right here. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians, please. 1 Thessalonians. 
few books over to your right, 1 Thessalonians. Here it talks about those who have no hope. 1 Thessalonians, remember this was your position, your condition prior to being saved. And so Paul is calling upon us to remember this. In verse chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse, if you would please, verse um, 13. Verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. He's speaking to us that know Christ. He said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, talking about those who have died, that sorrow not, even as others which have no what? Hope. You know, how many of you have lost a loved one? You, you probably understand the sorrow that comes when that happens. And, but, you know, in the midst of our sorrow, we have hope. We have the blessed hope of seeing our loved one again. I don't know about you, I don't know how an unbeliever goes through the death of a loved one that's not saved. Because they have no hope of ever seeing him again. And the Bible here tells us, concerning those which have died, that you sorrow not. It does not say you won't sorrow, have sorrow. But you won't have sorrow as those which have no hope. Those without Christ. And so one of the conditions you were in prior to salvation, you had no hope. Number six. Number six, please. Of the six things of our old position, number six, without God. Without God. The latter part of verse 12 there, it says, having no hope and without God in this world. You know, to me, that's an awful place to be, without God. And so there are six things that were true of our old position, spiritually dead, without Christ, aliens, strangers, without hope, without God. That's our old position. Now look at our old practice. Our old practice. Go back to Ephesians 2, please. In verse 2 and verse 3, it talks about our behavior, our conduct prior to salvation. Verse 2, it talks about our conduct. Verse 2, it says, wherein in time what? Past. Again, he's talking about your past. We'll call it upon to remember. In time past, it says you walked. And the word walk there has the idea to regulate one's life or to conduct oneself. So what was our life like prior to salvation? What regulated our life? Three things here. It talks about our life before Christ, that our uh, conduct, letter A, it was according to the course of this world. It was according to the course of this world. In verse 2 there, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. The word, this word, the word world there refers to the world order, humanity's values and standards apart from God and Christ. It, basically, it's the way this world, the direction this world's going in. The, the world, the Bible says Satan is the God of this world. And the Bible says that before salvation, we walked in the same direction, did the same things the world did, according to the course of the world. That was our conduct. Next, verse 2. Not only was it according to the course of this world, it was according to the prince of the power of the air. According to the prince of the power of the air, mentioned right there in verse 2. Now, who's the prince of the power of the air? Satan is. He's called the prince. He's also called the god of this world in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 4, excuse me. But basically, we walked according to his direction, according to this world, which he's the god of, 
That was our life of conduct prior to salvation. Let her see. Let her see. We walked also according to the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The word spirit there, not talking about the Holy Spirit or a spirit, but an impersonal force, the atmosphere, which is controlled and directed by Satan. Talking about this world. The atmosphere of this world, so many of unbelievers live according to that. Uh, and do not turn them, but 1 John 5, 19 says this. And we know that, that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. That literally means lies in the hand of the wicked one. There was a song I remember singing as a child, a boy, in Sunday school and sometimes in vacation Bible school. Uh, I, I sing, the first prophet says, he's got the whole world in his hands. You remember that song? And I enjoy singing that. But in that song, you're referring to God. But biblically speaking, who has this world in his hands? Satan does. It said the whole world lies in his hands. He's the God of this world. And prior to salvation, you walked according to that. And you walked according to the spirit that now worketh in children disobedience. That was our conduct. Now, next look at our behavior. Number two. Number two, our behavior we see in verse three. It says, among whom, among whom also we, interesting, I encourage you when you read your Bible, notice every single word. It says there in verse 2, our conduct, wherein in time past ye walked. But now in verse 3, the Apostle Paul referred to himself. He said, among whom also we, he didn't say you, we, he included himself. Among whom we also had our conversation our, in time past. Again, before you were saved, the word conversation means your conduct, your behavior. Again, it's very similar to the word uh, that we're back there talking about in time past, you walked. The, the word walk, conversation, very similar. But in time past. But notice three things here about our behavior before we were saved. It says, uh, first of all, walked gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Again, he says, among whom also we had our conversation, our behavior. In time past, it says, in the lust of our flesh. It means gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Prior to salvation, you didn't have the Spirit of God living inside you to direct you. All you had was your flesh. And our life was consumed with the cravings of our flesh. Next, letter B. Our conversation time passed was following the desires and thoughts of the flesh. Following, it's talking about the flesh desires and thoughts. Again, these are descriptions of the unsaved person, a person without Christ. Gratifying the cravings of the flesh, following its desires and thoughts. It says fulfilling the desires of the flesh and in the mind. And next, we have number three. We were by nature deserving of God's wrath. We were by nature deserving of God's wrath. The scripture actually says, and were by nature the children wrath, even as others. So again, all this talking about our past, before Christ, we're saved, without Christ, and our condition, our practice, and our uh, behavior. And that can be depressing in a sense. But now... Number two, 
Look at, now we remember the past, now rejoicing in our present. Rejoicing in our present. We're going to begin in verse 4. Verse 1 through 3 there in Ephesians chapter 2 talks about our unsaved life. But I love verse 4. What's the first two words in verse 4? But God. There's a contrast here, but God. Three things about, two things about God here in verse 4. First of all, who is rich in mercy. Number one, who is rich in mercy. The word rich means abounding with. Someone once said, what the sinner needs the most, God is rich in. Mercy. Aren't you glad for God's mercy? You know, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. I'm so glad God didn't give me what I deserve. If he did, I would go to hell. But he gave me mercy. So our wonderful God, number one, who is rich in mercy, and number two, who loves us greatly. Who loves us greatly. In verse 4, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein he loved us. The word great means plenteous. Plenteous. God has tremendous love and mercy toward you as his child. That's our wonderful God. Letter B, let's talk about our new position. We saw our old position. Now look at our new position and something we can rejoice in. We're going to see in verse 5. In verse 5, it said, even when we were dead in sins, we were quickened, had quickened us together with Christ by grace you are saved. So number one, goes along with verse 1, made us alive in Christ. Made us alive in Christ. I have eternal life. I will live forever with God one day because Christ died for me. He, he quickened me. He made me alive. Even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us. Aren't you glad God loved you while you were yet a sinner? While you were dead in sins, he loved you and desired to have you a part of his own family. And when you trusted him, he quickened you and made you alive in Christ. 1 Peter 3.18, I believe it will be on the screen. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the what? Spirit, about how Christ was quickened. He was given, uh, given life and how he does the same thing for us when we trust him as Savior. Colossians 2.13 and you being dead in sins, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. So our new position, number one, we've been made alive in Christ. Number two, again, talking about our new position in Christ, now that we're saved, and hath raised us up together. Raised us up together in verse six again. Verse six, hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. So our new position, made alive in Christ, number two, raise us up together. Who did he raise us up with, by the way? With Christ. We can see that in Romans 6, verse 4, I'll be the first one on the screen. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also, talking about raised from the dead, should walk in newness of life. So we're raised up together with him, uh, when we were saved. Number three, the third thing about our new position is we're made to sit together in heavenly places. Made to sit together in heavenly places. It says there in verse six, together with Christ in heavenly places. 
And by the way, this is a place with all of God's blessings. If you would back up in chapter 1, look in verse, Ephesians 1, look in verse 3. In verse 3, talking about again in heavenly places, even though you may be seated here at First Baptist Church, physically, spiritually, you're seated in the heavenlies with all, with all God's blessing. Look in Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings where? In heavenly places. So even though physically we're here, from God's perspective, we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ and blessed with all spiritual blessings. We enjoy so many blessings here, but wait till you get to heaven. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. So that's our new position. Now look at our, let us see, our present reality. Our present reality. Number one, as we're brought near to God through the blood of Christ. Brought near to God through the blood of Christ. Look at Ephesians 2.13. Ephesians 2.13. In fact, we, we've read verse 12. Now look in verse 13. It says, but now in Christ. I like the word now. The contrast in time past. That's what you were before you were saved. But now, in verse 13, in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes afar off were made what? Nigh by the blood of Christ. You know what that means, made nigh? It means squeezed up close. <laughs> we were squeezed up close to Christ, by, by, to God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's uh, the present reality. But also, number two, we were made fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. This present reality, as a believer, We've been squeezed up close by the blood of Christ and also made fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Look in chapter 2, verse 19, please. Chapter 2, verse 19. Remember, before we were aliens and strangers, before we were saved, but verse 19, it says, Now, therefore, again, the word now, presently, as a Christian, as a believer, now, therefore, you're no more strangers or foreigners, but what? Fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. That's your present reality as a Christian. You are made fellow citizens of God's people and members of God's household because of Jesus Christ. All right, number three, our time's slipping away fast, so hang in there with me, please. We began remembering our past, what our past was like without Christ. We saw six conditions of our unsaved life. Then we looked at number two, rejoicing in the present. The present being raised together, that we're made alive in Christ, raised up together with Christ, and made us sit together in heavenly places. Now, number two, three, anticipating our future. Now, we're focusing on the believer's past, present, and future. What is our future like? As Christians, look in verse 7, please. In verse 7 of Ephesians 2, it says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Let's look at this verse together and we'll wrap it up. Letter A, notice that first of all, it says for all eternity. For all eternity, it says in the ages to come. Talk about the future. Once we get to heaven, 
It didn't say in the days to come. It didn't say the weeks or the months to come. It didn't even say in the years to come. It said the ages to come, eternity to come. Basically, the word ages means forever, perpetual in time, eternity. By the way, someone asked me, Pastor, we're going to be in heaven. I'll tell you, won't we get bored? No, you will not. We're going to show you why. Because ages to come and eternity to come, here's what God's going to do. And let it be, he will manifest his riches. He will manifest his riches. In the ages to come, he will manifest his riches. Number one, they are, what kind of riches? Exceeding riches. Exceeding riches. It says there in ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches. Not just riches, but exceeding riches. The word exceeding means over and beyond anything that you ever could think or uh, ponder. Exceeding riches I'll have in heaven. Letter C. For all eternity, he will manifest his riches. Also, these riches not only are exceeding riches. Number two, they are unsearchable riches. They are unsearchable riches. It means past finding out. Look in Ephesians 3, 8. Ephesians 3, 8. The past finding out in this life, but you'll find them out when you get to heaven. So we can joyfully anticipate our future. Ephesians 3, 8. It says, unto me who am the less of the least of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the what? Unsearchable riches of Christ. So these riches that he will manifest to us are exceeding riches over and beyond. We have to think or ponder what they are and they are past finding out. So I don't know about you. I look forward to going to heaven for this reason. And so not only will he uh, alternate, let it be, he'll manifest his riches, let her see, he will express his kindness. He will express his kindness. It says again there in verse 7, the ages coming might show exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness. He will express his kindness. His kindness didn't stop at the cross. His grace didn't stop there. He has so much more for you. And uh, you, one day you will enjoy that much more when you get to heaven. And letter D, we'll close with this. All this, his riches, his kindness, all is done through and because of Jesus Christ. All done through and because of Jesus Christ. It says that the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Look up here, please. When you think about our past, remember our past, and you ponder our present, and you anticipate the future, who, who, where should our gratitude and our praise go? Toward Jesus Christ. He made all that possible. He changed our past. He gave us a wonderful present, and he's promised a glorious future. And so he is worth Serving, he's worth loving, he's worth focusing your eyes upon every day. What a wonderful Savior we have. Thank you so much for being here. Please, I know I covered a lot. You fill in the blanks. That was probably like taking a drink. I'm a fire hydrant tonight. Take it home with you and go over it again. Ponder on it. Read through it over and over again. And ask the Spirit of God to give you understanding of what that fully means to apply to your life. 
to remember the past and focus on the present and then consider, anticipate the future. Let's bow together, please. Dear Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Spirit of God who's given us this wonderful book. And thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who made everything about our salvation possible. Father, we remember our past, what it was life to be without Christ, what it was life to live without any hope. Father, may it help us to understand and take so much more joy in our salvation to remember the past, focus on the present, and Lord, anticipate the future. Oh, you have so much more for us. We look forward to that day and that time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.